0: on FM 96.3 and AM 620. News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. You ain't seen nothing yet. Curt <laughs> Anthony here, and we've got the Lieutenant Governor in studio. And to be honest with you, we are very excited to have him here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and thank god it's radio because you won't see anything the whole time we're talking
0: <laughs> it's all good um no so we already did some of our light conversation with dave although one more thing dave <laughs> sure. with the, with the super hot weather that we're having which we usually do have at some point during the summer yeah. um how does that affect the farm how has how it gone this summer in terms of the farm and how and how does the super hot weather affect you
1: you know, it's, it's, uh, it is it's harder on the plants early because they don't have the root systems to get deeper into the soil and have more ability to drop water. So it can be a little tougher on the smaller transplants. Uh, corn at this point is well-established. It's loving this. You know, we've got rain, we got heat. It's jumping. Um, but this season's been a little tricky. It was dry for all of May, and halfway through was ridiculously cold. We know yeah. a, a ton of our tree fruit folks have really been hammered. Uh, I was fortunate to have enough irrigation and row cover that didn't get a lot of damage, but it was I was up most of the night. Uh, and then it stayed dry and then got two weeks later from record cold to record heat. And, you know, it doesn't yes. feel good on us either. When it gets that hot that fast, we haven't adjusted. Plants are the same way. Um, and then now, at least at the farm, I think we've gotten, you know, nine or eight, nine, ten inches of rain, uh, yeah. which is a bit much. It'd be nice this little dry spell a little. do some cultivating get some weeds killed but so far you know we've been pretty fortunate because i've got fairly sandy soil the folks with heavy soils they're they're having a hard time because you can't get in there with the tractor weeds are getting out of control the water log can sometimes you've seen the low spots in uh corn fields that the yeah. plants yellow so you know a little bit drier would be helpful back and forth a little you know moderation and You know, here, you're lying, David. A little moderation and everything is a good thing,
2: you know? (laughs) That's for sure. All right, well, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive.
3: Quick question, David. These guys like when their guests bring them donuts. If you're bringing them carrots, that might explain their coolness to having you with me.
1: I brought them muffins today, man. That's a lot closer. There we go.
3: Good. Okay, so. Okay, you're good, David. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now is that a lie?
1: Did I just flip that guy that fast? Or, no, no, no,
2: I'm just kidding.
3: <laughs> right. but it can't uh, I was, he's I be. He's got to be
1: lying. I Thank you, though.
2: Appreciate vegetables too. I will say that I'm. I, I do like my fruits and vegetables.
1: Well, and I've got the melons. I don't, and Are I can. Really? You don't like it like a good summer melon when it's ripe and, no, and sweet. God, yeah. Oh, no. Kurt, my God. So you okay, listeners, ones? can you call in on that one? I mean, watermelon and melon
0: is like one of the peak things of summer. He's he yeah, saying call in and trash Kurt,
2: and he believe me, he's not lying. No, you know, I, I uh, yeah, I, ugh, I love all that stuff. It's great. But, That's you know, right. I don't understand. This is, this is, you think about the stress that a plant can go through or has to go through. Uh, it was so cold. It was like you just described it. How cold was it? It was so cold it killed 97% of the, the, the uh, tree crops. I mean, I, I can't, be- I, I can't fathom losing 97% of your crop.
1: It, it's uh i i actually can't either cuz i haven't uh but i know the work that goes into you know the crops whether they're the the perennials like the trees you know you have one big crop to harvest and it's a yeah. lot of work through the winter they're pruning the trees yeah. and they're keeping the grounds uh mowed so that you don't get as many diseases uh there's a lot to be done mm-hmm. and you've got that 2 or 3 month window with with apples if you've got varieties and so forth and to think that you know that's all done. And I know one strawberry grower who told me you know he he had row cover on three acres of his strawberries. He had four acres. He was irrigating from nine at night to nine in the morning because it was already below freezing just as the sun was setting. And uh, you know he it was six figures worth the strawberries, and he saved them. But wow. you know it's it's a Probably, big hit.
2: Not to mention what it costs to save them. Just to be, just to come up yeah, to a level playing field. Well, the, the field. labor
1: cost of putting the row cover on, you know, it's an hour, a day of a bunch of people's work and the irrigation running your pumps. But that that cost is is well worth the payoff to oh, save the crops, as he did. did. Yeah, yeah. All right, Dave. Now let's get into some issues here. Oh, come on! And then there's the beans,
2: and yeah, then yeah. there's. The- <laughs>
1: we got beets, we got lettuce. How many crops can I name in 45 have, minutes? Do you have any
2: bees on the on the farm? Do you have your own I actually, or do you bring some I don't in? have
1: my own bees. A neighbor's got some bees and then actually a beekeeper, a uh, professional beekeeper put some bees on,
2: but I, I didn't. No, <laughs> I, was just I was joking, joking I was to distract genuinely, I, No, I know. Yeah. But I th- this time of year, too, I think about honey. See, and, I, uh, yeah. I won't lie to you.
0: I've got to keep Anthony from talking here. Bro. Yes, he does. Okay. Well, so
1: Anthony, anyway.
0: <laughs> All right. So, Dave, the on the news last night, this is the second trial, the second settlement, I should say, in the EB-5 case, the Kingdom Con, as they call it. Um, and the state has apparently settled with the rest of the investors in the Kingdom Con case, uh, however many there were, $16.5 million settlement. They had a previous settlement with a handful of them. And uh, the Attorney General's office announced it yesterday. But the interesting thing here, and this is no surprise, but I'll just read this. This is in Digger and Seven Days. The proposed settlement agreement, if approved, would prevent additional trials and keep any current and former officials from having to testify about what they may have known and when about wrongdoing with the EB-5 projects. it's kind of like the old Howard Baker line in the Watergate trial. What did they know and when did they know it? Um, As much as I mean, I guess in some ways it's good to have these settlements. But as a citizen of the state of Vermont, a taxpayer of the state of Vermont, I kind of want to know, in addition to I wanted there to be, you know, Stengers paid a price and Curios, as he well should have, the mastermind of this is going to prison for several years. Um, but I want to know if state officials didn't handle this properly. And there's a lot of questions about it that have been raised. And now it seems like because of this settlement, We're not going to find out any more about that.
1: Well, absolutely. And and these settlements happen all the time in the private sector. You get the, oh, this this, uh, business settled. In fact, what was it? Fox News just settled with the producer of Tucker Carlson's show. And so now no more info will come out. Same is true here at the state level. Uh, I think a lot of the documents are now public, but folks who were involved won't be put on the stand to answer the questions. And I I didn't see a lot of the article, but I think they talked about, you know, under Douglas and Shumlin, this this got started and and got moved along and who knows when the information started to change or become uh questionable. I don't know where in that process. I don't know which officials, whether it was, you know, governors or others and um, I think that's true for all of us. I think transparency is really important. But I think the question, the time period is really in question is
0: when we started to know, or they started to know. When did they
1: know, and what did they know? And, and, are, 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 and the yeah, fact yeah. that
0: that this was, in the beginning, look, <clears> I don't <throat> have any problem with anybody that was promoting it in the beginning, whether it's Gov Governor, Governor Douglas or Patrick Leahy or Shumlin or whoever. It looked like a great thing for the, for the kingdom right. up in the, up yeah, in yeah, the and Newport area. We were talking area. about the potential yeah.
1: economic development. You know, that's now a whole, but it was going to be High-end research jobs and so forth. If it had happened,
0: it would have been great. But then what I want to know is in that later period when it became clear that this was not on the up and up, that there was fraud involved here, is did the state handle this properly? and Or did we continue to, you know, there's a lot of questions there. And as a citizen and a taxpayer, I think a lot of Vermonters want to know not only what the main perpetrators of this thing did. We know about that. They're paying a price, as they should um but did
1: we did we have state officials that handled this properly or not i, I think, think those are think, fair, fair questions did, I, you know i what i what i don't know at this point is uh what steps have been taken at least to not have it happen again which isn't the same as what you're talking about and i recognize that um and then I, I don't know how we find out more because if a settlement is approved, now I think again, yeah. just reading the article. So all I hmm. know is the same stuff. All I know is the same stuff that was uh, in the article that you just brought up this morning. I hadn't seen it yet because I've been on the road, but um, that 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 with the settlement, you there's no further process Nothing. that that folks can use legally to extract that information. Now whether there's opportunities for uh, the the committees in the House or the Senate to dig the government operations committees and dig a little deeper and say, wait a minute, what's going on? You know, if different branches of government. And one of those is the legislature. One is the administration, no matter who's governor. I'm not saying, obviously, Phil Scott was not involved. Uh, he wasn't governor at the time. Um, so will they open up those kinds of uh, digging efforts? Do you I, think, don't do you think not, I don't know. Do you think this settlement,
0: if all this stuff has now been, you know, is they've agreed... I wonder if the settlement just means they can't... it cannot be brought forth in court. Could the legislature get all this information if they decide to do an investigation or if, let's say, the governor called for an investigation? I don't think he's going to, but...
1: Right. Oh, I think those processes could still happen uh, if there was enough energy to do it or political will to do it. Uh, Whether it will happen is probably the bigger question, and I'm guessing it's less likely than more likely. Um, You know, the same reason I'm not loved all the time by all the political power players within the democratic party because i will say things like well if you've got a democratic supermajority in the house and the senate and you've and this
2: happened more so under the democratic
1: administration would they rather have this
2: in the rearview mirror i don't know yeah and uh, so the our attorney general uh, charity clark is uh, quoted saying this settlement removes the state's exposure to financial risk and gives Vermont the opportunity to move forward, but basically this will close the chapter on any financial well, risk to the state of Vermont, and then later it and that may on, well be a good yeah, thing. I mean, yeah.
1: usually you settle if there was a risk at greater exposure. Exactly. So on the one hand, you know, I, I do appreciate that comment with respect to trying to temper how much, yeah, how much money, uh, whether that's paid out from. Other collections that, you know, the attorney general's office usually brings a lot of money into the state yeah. through these kinds of suits and so forth. So whether it's paid out of that, I mean, they said it's going to be done over three years. So my guess is they'll pay it out of those rather than direct taxpayer dollars. But once the money's in the pool, it's all the same. In, yeah. In and, it's,
2: and it's capped at 16 and a half million, right. which that's a big number. But when the project was 500 million, I guess, they, they, I mean, who knows how big the exposure could be? Well, and and some of that
1: money did go back. I mean, they they mm-hmm. they got other money from the sale of the you know ski resort and other things. And um, you know, I suspect that she did probably a pretty good job at at making it not be a bigger number. So yeah. um, I think her her comment is is pretty legitimate. The
0: only thing you you just wonder about again is is does this settlement or part of it was it to protect to you know past officials or even current officials who may have bigger political aspirations.
1: Uh, you know, I don't know. I think in general, the attorney general's job is to limit the the effects against the state. And so I think, you know, you try to get to a settlement just like the lawyers for, you know, all the different, whether it's Fox News or, and I don't mean to keep going there. That's just the one that's in my head, but we see it all the time, you know, yeah. with, with an uh, injured employee at a business that's, you know, Amazon scale or <clears throat> whatever, Uh you know, the goal is to limit that financial exposure first and foremost.
0: I get it. It's just in this case, it is about also sure. people who serve. There is
1: public policy involved. Public
0: yeah. policy and wanting to know if our if these if this was handled properly by the people that were in charge at the time.
1: Well, and we have, and I haven't dug deep into it, but my understanding is, a Digger with their work did get a lot of documents out in the public. So I think people who want to dig in. <laughs> for the pun uh really can but what the one thing this won't ha- uh lead to is is the individuals involved will not have to testify underwater. right
0: and we i mean we know that uh, VT Digger and Galloway in particular I think they got awards for their coverage of this of yep. the story yep. and we had her on the show a month or two ago and when asked uh, about the I'll just say it because the question was asked and this was her response I, I read to her the response from the current treasurer Mike Pejack about why they didn't uh, you know why they when they knew this, why they didn't stop it then, or, or come out and say more, and he said it because it would have jeopardized the investigation, I, I asked her what she thought of his response. She said she thought it was b s
1: Well, she knows more than I do, and and she has her opinion i I don't know. Let's go to the phones. Good
2: morning, you're live on the morning drive.
3: All right, well, first of all, we all know this settlement's just a whitewash to make it all go away, and to compare a fox News continue to compare a Fox News settlement with this state of Vermont settlement is one of the most bizarre stretches I've ever heard. I was just using but it as a legal main, comparison. The main reason I... I'm calling is that the Supreme Court recently did two things. They stated that the power to, of the purse remains with Congress. That's the student loan deal. Yep. And the one we all know about with college admissions, they stated you cannot discriminate based on the color of someone's skin. So why are progressives losing their minds over those two decisions? Why are they so bothered by the U.S. Constitution?
1: Well, you've done two different things there. One is the Supreme Court decision, and the other is the Constitution. I don't think uh, people on the left are con- are disturbed by the Constitution, or I think that was the word you said, or something, are bothered by the Constitution. Uh, it's the interpretation of the Constitution that folks are upset with and just as people on the right have been upset with other court decisions in the past, so um, I think that's that's true across the board. When we don't get the interpretation that we that one thinks is the accurate interpretation, uh, one is going to get upset. I don't think that's any different from the left to the right. Uh, and as far as you know, comparing it to the Fox thing, I was talking about what these settlements are and how they stop the opportunity for deeper information or getting people on the stand so it wasn't trying to compare fox news is terrible the way that certain government officials are terrible or anything like that it was literally just trying to point out when you get settlements you lose the opportunity to put the people on the stand uh to have them uh, have their words come directly out of their mouth and have to answer uh with the risk of perjury the, the, because whenever the media asks a question of any of us, uh, we might stutter because we're going to lie, whatever. Um, but but honestly, remember, yeah. when the media asks or when you're on a show like this, you know, we don't, no one has to answer the question and you can't really be perjured for right. whatever your answer was. Uh, it could be used against you in a court, but, but when you're on the stand, it's different. So yeah. to me, that's whether you're a government official, whether you're an executive in a company, and I could just make it a company instead of Fox, if that'll make you less upset, then... Um, that's what I was trying to compare.
2: And, and it's also topical, too, not to interrupt, but but the Tucker thing is, is a big deal if you follow that because both parties, I guess, but Fox News really wants to put a lid on that. And, yeah,
1: and, 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 it and it helps and remind so, people that Tucker yeah. is an opinion show, not a news show. The yep. station is called Fox News. But because of that, we think everything that's on right. it is news and factual, and that reveals that actually there's a number of opinion shows, which is fine, They're, Sure, but their opinion, it's not necessarily fact. And then, of course, you, and like of course, the our, listening, our listening this.
0: audience can't see Dave, but he's blinking repeatedly. Right? <laughs> 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 now, I want to just a little further with that, Dave. But gotta, that's
1: a fact. That it's an opinion. I, those are opinions. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think I'm lying <laughs> you <laughs> can have your own
0: set of, You can have your own set of facts, but you can't have your, the, your own uh, truth, uh, whatever that is. But I want to just go a little further that. we got a lot of... Uh, of other issues we want to get into. But Dave, um, I want to get your opinion on this though, in regard to the court. Um, It's one thing to disagree with court opinions. Obviously we all do. We all hear the opinion, all the different opinions come out of the court and we agree or disagree, but some on the left, uh, Joe Biden has come out and said, this is not a normal court. This court's not normal. And others on the left have said some very disparaging thing about uh, things about the court Mm -hmm. uh, in that regard. Um, and they've they've also said things like that they are totally out of touch with the with the views of the American public, and yet the Sunday morning shows that I watched this week with uh, uh, George Stephanopoulos Meet the Press let out polls that said that the American people actually agreed with these two decisions on uh, on, uh, on both those yeah, two I major think, decisions. Yeah,
1: yeah, from what I heard, as A far as opinion on on uh, those those are are much more. Fifty-fifty, sixty-forty. They're much more balanced in terms of the agreement, disagreement, uh, and and with the majority, I think in those polls, agreeing. So I, I, there's a couple things. The court's job is not to actually be in agreement with public opinion. Right. That's in fact. It's just that's not I, their job. I, no, it Politicians isn't. Only, do opinion and try to represent the views of the people, right? And I'm only the pointing court, that out just to say that right. the, the people out, not the court. I was actually the, trying to agree the, with you, Kurt. Just so you know. No, I know, but I just, <laughs> want to, I just want to interject
0: to say I'm not the court. Of course, doesn't do that. That's not their job, and they shouldn't. I'm just using that to say um, people have been out there saying the yeah. court's views are wildly out of step with so, the American public, but the polls don't show that.
1: So there's there's two different aspects of how courts are in or out of step with folks or or the Constitution. So I agree. I think Biden went a little way went in a way I wouldn't go, saying, you know, the court's out of touch with the American people. Well, that's that's not the court's job. So I disagree with Biden on that. On the other hand, they are pretty far out there when it comes to overturning precedent, which has been a tradition of the court for a long time. They are doing far more um Large step or wholesale transformation of interpretations of the Constitution than many, if not all, courts in the past. I I can't say all because I don't. I'm not a court historian. But in my lifetime, and some others have lived longer than me, and others have lived left less. We haven't seen courts uh, overturn precedent and and alter the path of the interpretation of the of the Constitution. To the extent that this
2: court has, so in that way, I would agree with them. So I disagree with them, and I agree with them. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive.
3: Yeah. Hey. Good morning, guys. I just wanted to point out something I thought was pretty obvious: is that, you know, as far as legalities and settlement issues go, uh, like with the Fox thing, that that wasn't taxpayer money. So, oh yeah. No, you're right. Yep. You know, and and that's got to be the hugest difference right Absolutely. there. And Absolutely. And the other, the, just one other quick thing. A friend of mine always refers to the Democratic Party in Vermont as the Vermont Democratic Mafia. And, (laughs) you know, it it looks like they're all going to slither out of this EB-5 scandal thing, starting with uh, the Godfather, who recently retired, and one of his capos, who was former governor. And it's just, it's just, I could see it coming. You know, we're never going to hear anything about it. and Nobody wants their legacy tarnished and that sort of thing i just think it's sad and i wanted to say that so thank
1: you i appreciate that i will say that um in the world of politics you know there, there are these families right i won't say they're mafia families but you you are a family by association and folks typically try to um protect the folks from their own party from being tarnished and i'm not necessarily saying in the political machinations but they don't tend to say negative things about each other and it's it's often true in our families as well. You know, if you think about when, uh, you know, uh, a cousin does something that maybe folks disagree with, you try to, or, or, and the family knows about it, you try not to have it become the community's news. So I don't think politics is really that different than all of us as humans and as society. Um, as far as there being some central cabal at the top of the party, you know, I certainly have had my run-ins with the Democratic Party as well, but... I don't think there's actually a, a central force uh, of people that run it the way that they're honestly used to be. It's a pretty far ranging party with a wide range of opinions. And uh, you know, I've got people in the democratic party that really don't like me because I'm not a, a strict, strict hardcore Democrat. And I've got a lot of folks in the democratic party that do like me because they agree with the policies I stand for and that I uh, espouse them uh, vociferously and, and adamantly. So I, I just want to say I, I, I don't think the idea of it being a monolith is really true.
2: But you did make the comment like it used to be. Do you feel mm-hmm. like it, it it's it's shifted, at least in a positive I direction? Think,
1: I think the politics as well as the breadth of um of acceptance of the of the wider range of views without sort of as much I think it has less top-down power. I think gotcha. people have gotten more involved at the local level and said, you know, it's not about one person or one couple of people that have a lot of power and then by the way they weren't all elected people um it, it, there's various people that have a lot of clout in this state that are not elected yeah. um but that has has uh i think diffused and and i think it's also true in the republican party you know mm-hmm. you've got phil scott and uh you know maybe at odds sometimes with a fair number of the maybe <laughs> the historic some of the historical leadership so i think these things are all coming out into the open more and it's less uh, lockstep on, on all parties.
2: All right. Um, we've got, uh, we're running a little late, but that's okay because you're here for the next half hour. Let's go back to the phones for one quick question before the break. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive.
3: Hey, good morning. I have to agree with them, though, with the uh, turning over the precedent. I mean, that's a mainstay of our judicial system. And turning over precedent is a bad precedent, to that? And one other thing before I hang up, because I can barely hear you guys is I have a real problem with all these gifts that I keep hearing coming out. It's Sotomayor, it's Thomas, it's... I mean, there's a whole bunch of them that all of a sudden you hear that like they're getting all these goodies, and they're have no over with their decision-making. Well, how about making an absolute that has no uh, decision? Or, uh,
2: you broke up there, but I get you. Uh, that is concerning that you find out that after all these years, the, the Supreme Court has really no ethics oversight, and everybody's, you know...
1: Yeah, I think there I, yeah. should be tr- more transparency all across the board. I think we all know that it's healthier. You can reduce, whether it's conspiracy theories, whether it's frustrations, whether it's anger. When you learn this stuff after the fact, it erodes our confidence in the whole range of our governmental system. Yep. And that's neither right nor left. I think you know our society is in trouble if we don't continue to have faith that uh, in the system that at least we all have a voice through a vote, whereas in the system that we departed from a few hundred years ago – You didn't have that, and in places around the world, a lot of places, you still don't have that. Uh, If we lose our faith in the system, we're in trouble. Yeah, I agree.
2: The Morning Drive on FM 96.3 and AM
0: 620. News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt Anthony here, continuing our discussion with Lieutenant Governor Dave Zuckerman. If you have a question for the Lieutenant Governor... He's always happy to field them. Mackenzie Country Classic Hotlines open triple eight four one four zero three zero three. Give us a call, and uh, we want to go to the veto session. But one more back on the courts just for one second. When you talk about precedents, um, I've just looked this up, and it's um, uh, you know precedents are set. Sometimes it's set by a court on the left. Sometimes it's set by a court on the right, depending on who's controlling the or court. Or just a court without
1: a left-right, whatever.
0: But a lot of times they are lean left or right, and people are concerned on the left right now that it's a 6-3 majority more on the right, although there's swing votes on the court still. But they here it says that 100 different cases have overturned previous precedent and set a new precedent. But, and you can comment if you want. But the question I did want to ask you, though, Dave, is um, you talked about undermining faith in the system You are, you're part of a group now that wants to add Supreme Court justices. You want to, aren't you part of a group that wants to actually add justices to the court, which is what is referred to by a lot of people as packing the court? Doesn't that, that type of thing help undermine faith in the current justice system? Even Ruth Bader Ginsburg, when she was asked about that, said, no, that'd be a terrible idea because you add justices now. The Democratic Party couldn't do it because the Republicans would block that. But sure to get would. back in power, the election, if... if uh, well, you need the electorate 60 dec-
1: votes, so I just don't see that happening. And right? if yeah. the
0: electorate decided to go down that road and happen, Republicans would come back
1: and say, okay, well, now we're going to add more justices. Well, there's certainly that that risk, no doubt about it. Uh, the reason, there's multiple reasons, no doubt. I think this court uh, actually already got packed through the actions of McConnell. He used completely uh, by the rules, uh, procedures to do it. Um, but also, again, sort of broke the norms and precedent of the process that was historically followed to do it. So, you know, it's sort of the back-and-forth thing. But my understanding is that there historically were the number of Supreme Court justices as there were appellate courts. And we have expanded the appellate court level to where there are 14, uh, or 13, I guess it is. Uh, And so... The precedent actually is that the court would be expanded to match that, and that happened. The court used to have, I believe, five and seven and nine. So it shouldn't have happened all at once, I think, back a number of years ago. They should have added some seats. I don't even know who was president when that happened, so it could have been under a Republican. Uh, so that's the the principle that I'm going on. Uh, and sure, folks folks can disagree, uh, but there is a my understanding also from the polls, which again, the the court isn't uh run by the polls and i as i said earlier i disagree with biden biden's comment more people uh have lost faith in the court as a percentage uh uh, and to to the lowest level of of support that it's ever had uh so that just says faith in the system is is falling apart even with the decisions whether it was because the court was packed by mcconnell whether it's because the decisions they made we need to we need to build that back up whether it's by their decisions being more in line with what the Supreme Court, this the, the Constitution actually says, or whether uh, there's more folks... But out. isn't
0: it partly undermined and the public feeling that way by having Chuck Schumer come out and saying there's going to be a whirlwind unleashed on the Supreme Court if they dare to go down this path? I mean, that was totally out of line, wasn't it?
1: Well, that's an opinion. I don't know what the whirlwind could be because there's, there's... Well, he said they we're going have... to
0: unleash a whirlwind that they aren't going to see what's coming. That sounds pretty...
1: Well, I, I imagine that's about policy. So one thing this court would argue, and I think a lot of listeners would argue, is that the policy should be made by Congress. The policy should not be made by the courts. And so I think where Schumer's coming from, and I'm not in his head, I'm not in any meetings, and I haven't talked to Schumer, so let's be clear here, pure conjecture on my part, is if the Democrats get big, you know, majorities in both chambers or a big enough number in the Senate to also be able to carry things out, then they might pass a number of policies— that this court would say it's up to the Congress to do that, right. so that's I imagine the whirlwind. Um, but certainly, the way that was stated is a bit aggressive against the members of the court, and you know that's not so great. Let's go to the
2: phones. Good morning, you're live on the Morning Drive.
3: I all I care is that I'll, all I I'm thankful that Gallan didn't get into the Supreme Court because our justice system right now is worse than Uganda. Have a good day.
1: Well, I think a lot of folks considered Garland a fairly straight shooter, and I think even through this process, he's been doing everything by the book. He's not been out there being Attorney General, throwing politics left and right. He's comes out, states facts, goes away. He doesn't get into the kinds of conversations we're in.
0: It's true um,
2: compared to Eric Holder. He's well, quiet.
0: his
1: Justice Department is being accused now by
0: the whistleblowers from the IRS in regard to the Hunter Biden case and what mm-hmm. some thought was a light. Uh, charges against him uh the whistleblowers have come out and said that that merrick garland's justice department uh put the lid on their investigation that put the thumb down on them to not investigate hunter biden and joe biden
1: well i don't again know all the details but what i would say is they should investigate any and all of the issues that are out there i if you look at precedent again as well uh the things biden uh junior i I forget you just said hunter biden um has done is fairly similar to things lots of folks have done where they haven't been uh prosecuted they i think did a lot of investigating there's of course whistleblowers on all sides in government who come out which is a good thing and let's see where those facts run all right let's go
2: back to the phones good morning you're live on the morning drive
3: good morning uh Was it uh, racist and sexist for the governor to veto the uh, legislative pay increase? And also, was it systematically racist and sexist for the Democrats not to uh, override it?
1: Well, a couple different things. Uh, I don't think either of those things, uh, I guess I would say no and no to both of those things. Um, You know, the governor chose to veto that uh, because of his philosophy about what the pay is and who would serve. Uh, whether that philosophy is is accurate or not from a factual basis i think we can all debate because i think folks on the other side are frustrated that uh, a wider range of folks aren't in office uh, again because of that and it's a wider range i would say based on economics more than um, race or gender Uh, so i would say no and no to your question but i appreciate the uh, the cynical sentiment with which it was asked
2: (laughs) good morning you're live on the morning drive
3: morning, gentlemen. Hey, uh, just a, a quick comment on uh, what's going on as far as losing faith in government. All you have to do is look at what's happening in Burlington, and it's spread throughout the entire state. Uh, we've got politicians, just like the current lieutenant governor, who say he's a Democrat and uh, David and actually progressive. So we really don't know who we're voting for. Uh, and uh, everything that comes along with it, we don't know what they're changing. So it's it's kind of corrupted the entire system, and it started to spread from a disease here in Burlington and down in Brattleboro. Started in 2013, and it just got worse. Thank you. Well,
1: I, I appreciate your opinion. The only point out comment I'll make on that is uh, I've been pretty straightforward, right out on my sleeve, as far as all of the politics and party stuff. So uh i'm a progressive democrat i think there's a fair amount of overlap with a fair amount of democrats with a lot of progressive views but not entire overlap there's certainly democrats that don't like me uh but i've run in the primary because in part that's the way the current voting system is structured in order to uh, really limit the process to two parties. We've had the ranked choice voting conversations earlier. And we could go back to that, although I did hear you earlier talking about wishing that maybe it weren't Trump and wasn't Biden as the options. Yeah. And I'll just return to you that if you had ranked choice voting, you could have legitimate primaries that uh, would not allow some people like them to be such dominant front runners and the rest never having really a shot so, so you know i'll throw that out there i'm sure that'll generate some calls because no, i know that's I, a hot
2: one see i think there's a place for rank choice voting i do inside a party primary i do because it's the party deciding inside inside a contained environment i believe that and we disagree with that but uh, on that but So I I hear what you're saying uh, because it is very frustrating because I think there's a lot of people that have a lot of great ideas that just never get any traction. So I'm not saying it's a perfect process. I I agree with you there. Um, Well, let's go back to the phones and see what we got. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive.
3: Hey, good morning, gentlemen. I would just like to know what world our lieutenant governor is living in when he believes that Merrick Garland does not have a political ax to grind when he was looked over and not chosen to be on the uh, the Supreme Court, it's definitely a two-faced. You know, he's two-faced, and he's, uh, he's 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 definitely against the Republicans. It, it's a political position that he's holding, and it's not supposed to be.
1: Well, a couple of things. I I I don't believe the words you ascribe to me are words that came out of my mouth. So let's start with that. But secondly. Uh, there's no doubt. We all get frustrated or hold grudges when we feel we've been wronged. Uh, but the fact is, there there are investigations across the board. Uh, the current investigation that's high in the news, of course, is Trump and Biden. Uh, but, um, you know, I do think he tends to carry a pretty straightforward process in what the job of the attorney general is. Uh, I don't believe they are, you know, colluding with the president, with the president's wishes and actions, which we, to be perfectly honest, we know the prior uh, president thought of the attorney general as sort of his lawyer, um, not the country's lawyer. He learned the hard way. You know, I I just, I think there are a number of people out there who we can agree or disagree with their politics or their views on things. But in jobs, you have, unlike the elected official positions that we hold, where we literally say, these are our views and I'm going to espouse them. Technically, and I have said this before, I represent everyone. I've encouraged people, when I meet them from every range of the spectrum, and I would encourage anyone on this who's listening, if you want to meet with me, I'll meet with you. I'll listen. If you've got an issue with government, I'm going to try and help you deal with, whether it's a permitting thing or an access to a service or whatever it is, whether we agree or disagree on other issues. And I think that's one of the things we all learn to do i imagine you go to work and you don't always agree with your boss but you do your job Uh, and that's i think the role and it's a critically important role that people in legal fields like attorney generals and prosecutors try to do now do they do it perfectly all the time of course not do we all have biases of course we do
0: and although dave i will say and i'm a person who's been very critical of former president trump um but president biden had to apologize After saying it, but you can't put something back in the box once you've said it. He came out and said uh, the Justice Department ought to be vigorously pursuing charges against anybody who doesn't uh, uh, come forward and and speak to the committee, who doesn't follow the subpoenas. They ought to be, you know. And he and he said so. The justice, his Justice Department, ought to be vigorously pursuing charges against them. Then he had to come back and say, "Oh, I, I probably shouldn't have said that." But yeah. once you've well, said it, true, you can't put it.
1: it back in. And then he also owned it, and now he's getting appropriate pushback. But those from type of things others. do happen, and a lot sure of people do. do
0: think that Merrick Garland has has not played things down the middle as much as they'd like to see him.
1: Sure, I, I wasn't saying it's going to be absolutely down the middle. You're going to have your um, views be part of the lens through which you see things. Uh, of course
0: let me ask you this dave you just a few minutes ago this is something people say so i want to hear you respond to this you said i'm a progressive democrat but you used to be a progressive progressive i mean you are a lifetime progressive and i'm nothing against that i am right. you know but a lot of people complain about that still and you said some democrats don't like you because of your involvement in the party so why did you feel the need to run as a just not a, not just a progressive but a progressive democrat
1: was it because of it's tough to get elected just as a progressive? No, it, it. to be perfectly honest, the voting system, right? If you end up with uh, two folks that agree on 75% of what's going on running as a, an opposition in a three-way race to a single person who has a different set of views that maybe really represents 40% of the population, you under the current system can have someone win with a 40% viewpoint against what is held by more like 55 or 58 i'm not gonna say 60 percent because i said the two don't always agree uh and so our voting system makes it difficult someone is always the quote spoiler now whether the progressive is a spoiler or the democrat is a spoiler uh the common mentality would be that the progressive would be because it's a smaller third party uh at this point if i was running for something and a lesser known democrat was running and they got fewer votes they would or could be called the spoiler, but probably because the way the media works, the progressive still would be the spoiler in a three way race. So there's no doubt it was out of both collaboration, cooperation, and uh, strategic thinking. Yeah. It's all of the above.
2: Um, just to, it's George W. Bush's uh, 77th birthday today, so I want to use the word strategery. Strategery.
1: So, <laughs> but here's an example. If on the more conservative side, you had uh, someone like me running. Uh, but only under one party and we had sort of one Democrat or progressive running and then you had uh, a, a Joe Benning and a Greg Thayer in the general election people would say oh Zuckerman might have only won with 48% and Joe Benning and Greg Thayer would have split the vote and so you go but they had a higher percentage combined and so that's the problem with the current system and that's also why someone like me did the collaborative work I've tried
2: to do All right. Well, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive.
3: Hi. uh, Good morning, Mr. Zuckerman. uh, I'm wondering if you are in favor of term limits uh, for Congress and for the Senate. There's definitely not enough conversation about this. Uh, And if you're not in favor of that, uh, please explain why. Thanks a lot.
1: That's a great question. I appreciate it. So I've never been a fan of term limits Uh, because I believe that's what elections are. The problem for me is our method of elections and electing people, and I'm not just talking about ranked choice voting, I'm also talking about campaign finance, uh, really limit the opportunity for a lot of people to run and have a shot at winning. And incumbency has incredible power. Uh, To me, I would rather have the, the free speech aspect of someone having a right to run you know, term limits is a, if money is free speech, then certainly uh, limiting someone's right to put their name on a ballot to run for office is a limiting of free speech. You're literally saying you cannot go out there and espouse your views to get elected to an office. Um, so, you think it would be a, it'd be against the Constitution? No, it's not. Well, someone, I, I actually think a well, good lawyer could speech. take that. I would think a good, a good lawyer could take that up. Uh, well, obviously, most, we limit the president's term. I, I understand that. I believe, uh, well, again, you can remind me if that's the, by law. I think it was, or was it a constitutional amendment back amendment. after FDR? So yes. that's an amendment. So it's part of the Constitution. So therefore, it's not against the Constitution. You, but um, But I think at the state law level, if it's law, it could be challenged. Under this court, who's very pro-free speech and liberties and you get to do what you want, I would think someone could make a good argument in front of this court against term limits. But in any case, I don't know if I fully answered the person's question. I didn't mean to get sidetracked. So for me, I would say if you had public financing so that many of the callers calling in, everyday folks, whether you're a carpenter, plumber, uh, whomever, uh, could have a decent chance at running. Now, not throwing millions of dollars at folks. I think you have to reach thresholds to get the money. You can't just say, oh, I got 10 signatures. Now give me $50,000 to run for state senate in Chittenden County. No, we'd be throwing... Tons of taxpayer dollars out, but you create thresholds that show a viability, kind of like the I think the Republicans in the primaries are doing, where you have to get what is it forty thousand or contributors from whatever and x number of states. Yeah, yeah. so you so you create uh, thresholds that one has to reach, so that it isn't willy nilly, and someone can just go pocket a ton of money and take a bunch of taxpayer dollars. But if you had public financing uh, as an option, and you had a voting system that allowed for, you know, more people to be at the podiums where you could winnow it down and folks get broader sets of views out in front of people, not filtered through the media. I think our democracy would be healthier from the right and the left.
0: Dave, we only got a couple minutes left, but I want to ask you, uh, a caller earlier, and I think they may have been saying this in a lighthearted way, but they may have been alluding to this. Um on the pay raise, the, the mm-hmm. governors vetoed the pay raise, and the Senate could not mm-hmm. muster the votes to, to even have the vote. They decided to kick it off to next year, maybe come back with a smaller bill. Right but Senator Ruth Hardy from Madison County basically made the charge in the media that the vote was sexist, that it was all the women were supporting it, and the men were against it, and therefore this was a sexist sexist vote to not double to not have this pay raise uh, happen. Your comments? Do you agree with Senator Hardy?
1: I don't agree with Senator Hardy. I do recognize where those vote splits were, but there are many men that were going to vote yes as well. Uh, And I do think there is a a rapid move to sort of over-identity almost every issue. I do think there still are structural issues in our system uh, that we have to change, whether it's drug laws, which have been evolving and changing, that have disproportionate people incarcerated of color. So that's one form of identity uh, system, systematic challenges we face. There are, there are gender issues in terms of overall the numbers that are elected in office, but some of these are, again, back to the systemic nature of it. I think the pattern is changing as we have more women CEOs, as we have more women in different leadership positions, then now more are also getting elected. And so the change is happening, uh, and I think that's healthy. But I also don't believe in voting for someone because they are X or Y, which I, I guess there's a pun there with chromosomes. But um, it's, it should be based on the issues and experience. We just have to make sure everyone has the same opportunities to build the experience, to be qualified in the mindset of voters.
0: If the pay raise uh, had, had been a tie vote and had come to you for a tie-breaking vote as lieutenant governor, would you have voted for that?
1: In the end, I probably would have, but i I did think it was uh, a little more robust than it needed to be. but when it comes to the pay, it actually was returning it to the to the levels with respect to state averages that we did a number of years ago. so I don't think it was that far out of the box. I will point out one thing about this whole discussion because someone has said, "Well, then have a shorter session right pay 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 less or whatever it is, have shorter sessions." Uh, Senator um, Sears from Bennington pointed out that he's been at meetings with legislators from other states. And while the general assembly is shorter in many of those sessions, the actual committee time is longer. They meet through the summer. The legislators are paid and meet for a longer period of time. So they are paid maybe less per week, but they work more weeks. And so they actually do get paid as much or more in many of those states that are used as examples. It's just that the General Assembly to vote on whether bills should.